welcome to another week of the Fiber Coven podcast. We're so happy to be talking with each other and talking with you here to chit chat about some yarny stuff and some witchy stuff. We kick things off with news. And I guess uh, some news what we just decided is that we picked our next date for our next virtual crafty hangout for Patreon people. It's through Discord. And it will be on Wednesday, May 24th at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. And we will be hanging out for a couple hours in a Discord video chat, video and voice chat, doing crafty stuff. Yeah, it'll be fun. Yay. And then where in the world will you be in the upcoming months, Emily? Lots of places. I will be at the World Oddities Expo in Raleigh, North Carolina on May 6th. I will be at Crafty Supermarket in Cincinnati, Ohio on May 13th. And then I will be at several places on the East Coast uh, on our totally 90s tour with Kemper of Junk Yarns. On May 31st, I will be at Boston Fiber Co. On June 1st, I will be at Circle of Stitches in Salem. And then on Saturday and Sunday, the 3rd and 4th of June, I'll be at Skane Yarn Shop in Providence, Rhode Island. Wow. That sounds like so much fun. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited for you guys. Are you getting excited for it? Yeah, it should be fun. And that uh, Raleigh show, I'm actually staying with Kemper because uh, mm-hmm. that is where she lives. So we'll be able to do some like prep and planning together in person, which will be nice. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited for you guys. I can't Yay. wait to see all the fun stuff you're going to get up to. Yeah. Great. So we can jump into the yarny content. I think we forgot to introduce ourselves. I'm Lauren from Valkyrie Fibers. I'm Emily from Kitty with a Cupcake. Hooray. Now you know who we are. Hooray. <laughs> Great. So our yarny content, it's actually been a couple weeks since we recorded. I finished three things, but mm-hmm. I only have one of them. I finished my poncho. It looks so good. Um, yeah, I wanted like a big Star Warsy poncho and wearable blanket with an enormous hood. And I definitely have got that. Um, I used some Prado de Lana that I got at Rhinebeck last year and some hand spun deep stash. And I did some little stripes. So it's mostly an oatmeal colored and it's just a big old poncho with some hand spun green and dark brown stripes in it. Um And it's got an enormous cowl hood that honestly took over 200 grams of yarn. It looks good, though. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, it's big enough that I'm easily wearing it over my headphones right now. Maybe Mm -hmm. I'll just keep it on. It looks hot to me in my non-air-conditioned situation. (laughs) Yes. You are in Louisville, where it is very warm. And it snowed yesterday in Mm -hmm. Tahoe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It melted off real quick. I can see most of my deck. Things are thawing spring is springing but Mm -hmm. not quite um i also finished two hats i'd been working on a vanilla hat and then i had some little leftover scraps and my friend who just spawned requested another baby hat so i actually sent them the vanilla hat adult size hat and the baby hat um as a gift which i was excited about Mm -hmm. you can have matching hats with their new little sprocket very cute yeah, just admiring your hood as you're wearing it. The edge on the hood turned out very nice. It's not curling nice. at all. It's an I-cord edge. Mm, very nice. And I did the whole hood in linen stitch because I hate myself. Mm-hmm. It looks good, though. It was, it was the right choice. It was. It looks very It looks very good. It's a very spacious hood. I'm enjoying wearing this so much. Yeah. What you been working on? 
I've worked on a couple things. I have a whole sock. <gasps> a whole sock. This is a whole sock in the Javol uh, mm-hmm. yarn that I am making socks for myself out of. So this was a Disney sock. Made progress on it. It's very plummy. Things. It's plummy very plum. colors, self-striping, traditional heel flap and gusset. And then I have a little cuff here. Very nice. Of a second sock. So I worked on that mm-hmm. a bit. It's hanging out in my mushroom bag, designed mm-hmm. by me. And then in my Home Row Fiber Co. bag, mm-hmm. I have this project, which I believe is a new cast Ooh, on. Yeah, your sweater. Yes. So this is the Mayma sweater by Pippin Pin Knits. And I am knitting it in. Uh, junk yarns boss sock uh the penelope colorway i'm alternating skeins which we talked about Uh last time but yeah it is a cardigan uh with the raglan construction so i'm just raglan in around right now it looks great uh the base color is like a soft baby pink bubblegum pink and it's got all these delightful little pastel neon pops it's very you and very kemper colored yeah and the the brioche slip stitch pattern uh, that mm-hmm. is on the back and front panels looks really good i think yeah it is really nice it looks kind of like a waffles stitch mm-hmm. almost yeah i have something new that i cast on that i also have in my home row fiber co bag wow <laughs> i am doing a new design like an other improvised design because i just can't stop i have this crazy skein of hand spun i'd been saving all the little scraps extras onto a couple bobbins and when i had three partial bobbins i applied them all together into a three ply of hand spun just of odds and ends and i think it looks pretty cool it's kind of like a worsted weight i would say i would say dk to worsted it's in that range and my idea was to have something that had a ribbed like section that you could put over your nose and mouth for when it's really cold. Ah. Mm-hmm. And then it would just basically turn into a shawl, something to wear around your shoulders after that. Plus um, like a for turtleneck cowl. Yes, it's a turtleneck cowl. But like the, the point is like when it's cold out, I want something to put over my nose and mouth when I'm outside. And then you could just fold it under and it would keep the thing around your neck if you don't want it over your nose and face. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so that's just my improvised design. I know what I want to kind of do for the neck part, but I don't know how I want to handle the shawl part. Like, Mm -hmm. I want it to be predominantly in the front because I don't want a lot of bulk in the back. Mm -hmm. So I have some noodling for how to do that. What would your designer brain, what's your first thought about how you would achieve that? I'm, I'm open to suggestions. Yeah, it's a good question. You could short row and like decrease to like go down to short rows in like, that's probably the best thing to do because I think it might be, you could also like stop working in the round, of course, and then Mm -hmm. like kind of triangle shawl or some other shawl shape down for Mm -hmm. the front. Uh, But that would give you a stronger line across the back. So if you don't want that, Mm -hmm. then maybe doing the short rows. I was almost thinking having doing a line of increases along the front that around the midline of the chest to make it come forward and then short rowing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that makes sense. 
that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I was also thinking of being lazy and just once you get past the neck part, turning it into a pie shawl. Mm-hmm. I haven't decided. I should decide soon because I've yeah. got almost as much <laughs> face covering as I want. I'm going to do face covering and then neck tube stuff with just some slowly paced increases that I feel fine about. That's the plan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I have to decide how I'm going to do the part that would sit around your chest. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's that's what I'm working on. Yeah. Have or you depending been working... on how you want it, you could just make it like a dicky and just like work flat and like have a rectangle. In front. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of dicky. Like I mm-hmm. realized this a while ago. It's mm-hmm. kind of that idea. But but when you can pull over your nose and mouth when it's I think cold, it's fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. More of like a cute shawl dicky. A cute shawl dicky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> have you been working on your blanket at all? Not. No, not really. I have mostly worked on the sweater and times that I would have worked on the blanket. Mm-hmm. Can I show you my blanket? Yeah, I want to see. Oh my god, it's huge. It's oh, look, huge. you used a new color. I use lots of new colors. That's two new colors. We mm. got up, you can see this like kind of greeny yellow stripes in here. That that means it got it got up to 60. Wow. Got up to 60 one day. I'm so excited, but um, this is the heirloom temperature blanket patterned by Soraya Hussain. It's mosaic crochet. I love it. Um, you can see it's getting a lot more grainy mm-hmm. and we even got some pops of like light bright greens and a yellow. I'm so excited. I can't wait for it to warm up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and that's my blankie. I've gotten so much done in like the, the couple weeks since I've shown it to you. Yeah. It's had some cold snaps and some warm snaps. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's quite the blankie and that's all I have been working on. Nice. Do you have anything else you're working on? Nope. Mm. I did acquire a couple things. Our friend and coven member Marina sent me stickers. Oh. Uh, her partner draws draws and had some stickers made up. And there's a moth man. He's cute. He's got a little yeah, hoodie. He's, we- he's wearing a little hoodie and some little cargo pants. It's very cute. A very cute cartoony moth man. And... <laughs> A brick that says vote, very yeah. on brand nice, for nice. me. I love it. And um, I think this is maybe some sort of character I don't understand, but it's this goblin man in a mech suit and it says eternal war on transphobes. And I think that's dope. That's cute. <laughs> and I really love that Marina knows me and knows what I would like. And I I love these stickers. <laughs> I can't wait to put them on things. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then I got another thing I can't show to you because um, I don't know where he's at, but I got another cat. I saw him. He's very cute. He's orange and dumb. And Emily helped me name him. He's Chopper. He's Charles <laughs> Chopper. <laughs> go around the house just going wah, 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 making chopper noises it's from star wars if you don't know and you should go watch star wars rebels you know, a lot of the live action stuff will make a lot more sense to you if you watch rebels chopper is a feisty menace of a little orange robot and i got that in a cat he's a he's a he's about one and a half got him from our local humane society 
and he is just a big orange cuddle bug, just a chonk, real so dumb. Cute. Yeah, he's he's not good at finding treats or the laser pointer game, but he's enthusiastic about everything, that, which is that's nice. That's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a real sweet boy who fights with things. It's fine. They'll get over it. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> Yay, cat. Yay, cat. Anyway. We are ready for a cult corner now, and we're finally ready to wrap up our discussion on Lafayette Ronald Hubbard and the cult of Scientology. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to generally talk about cult dynamics today, how that kind of fits into things and um, things to watch out for, for any groups that uh, may be in your life or lives of people around you. Yeah, and uh, we talked about this a little bit in the last episode, but I think this is an important thing to talk about because there can be a pipeline of like new agey spiritual kind of groups, pagan mm-hmm. groups into some high demand culty behavior. So I think it's important to know about these kinds of things and like be wary. You just gotta, you gotta watch out for yourself and be wary when you're getting involved with any sort of religion-based groups yeah and a a kind of like there's obviously tons of definitions of cults one that i was googling around last night and i liked was it is that a cult can be a combination of both a high demand group and being involved in a high demand group isn't necessarily a bad thing but the fact that it is a high demand organization combined with manipulative unethical or coercive techniques to make you stay in mm-hmm. yeah yeah for sure mm-hmm. what are some of the things that you saw as like things to watch out for i found a bunch of different lists one from the cult education institute has some different categories i thought one that was particularly helpful is 10 warning signs of a potentially unsafe group or a leader of a group mm-hmm. number one is absolute authoritarianism without meaningful accountability Mm -hmm. which i think we definitely see looking at our scientology example that's lrh was the absolute authority he couldn't do anything wrong right and that's something the group (laughs) that's something that comes up a lot like like a lot of many groups there's a very charismatic leader and the question is is there accountability for this leader and are they qualified like are they making this up or do they have any experience mm-hmm. yeah and i think uh i don't know if that that this is in the list but anytime that a leader is like at the same level as or claiming to be god that's a big warning sign. <laughs> yes there's a lot of that like main character chosen one storyline going on that is a big watch out situation mm-hmm. the second one is no tolerance for questions or critical inquiry yeah i mean really I, personally i think that is a red flag for religions in general um, I think that some religions that definitely wouldn't be considered a cult uh, fall into this one where they don't want you to question anything. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that questioning things is good. It's how you learn things. So, well, I think it's fine to have a group that's like, this is what we believe. If you don't want to be here, don't be here. If there's no barriers to leaving, it's mm-hmm. fine if you don't tolerate dissent. Mm-hmm. But what? all groups want to keep people in that's just the way 
it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a big one with the Scientology example as well. Uh, no meaningful financial disclosure regarding budget expenses, such as an independently audited financial statement. This is a big one with a lot of groups. Like this is a big one with Nexium. This is a big one with assorted, like known culty behaviors. Basically, there's no financial accountability for the leadership, is what you're saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or for the group yeah. at all. Because like any especially anytime that there are like dues or like paid classes and like or like even if it's not something like that but you're paying money that's supposedly going to like charitable Mm -hmm. or like community building things you want to see a fine if a lot of money is exchanging hands you want to see some accountability that things that you think your money is going to is actually what it's going to and that's very regular i mean any like company has that governments theoretically should yeah, and like it like churches have that like they they right. like if you pay like a tithe to uh your like Catholic church, they will post some sort of financial statements for their year and like it might be vague, there might be categories there that are vague, but like some level of accountability <laughs> where there isn't <laughs> like, you know, a 80% piece of the pie chart that's just going to one person. <laughs> yes. Mhm. Another one is unreasonable fear about the outside world, such as an impending catastrophe, evil conspiracies, and persecutions. This one makes me think of any, like, you know, doomsday kind of cults, anything like, like it's the end of the world, so we have to insulate ourselves kind of behavior. Mm-hmm. I actually, speaking of cults, recently I watched the new documentary on Waco on Netflix. That was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. They had a lot of new footage and I think a lot of new footage from the feds, but huge trigger warning for that. You're, you will be watching feds die in real time mm-hmm. to plus for some trigger for others. It's it, the Waco one's interesting. It's just two groups of just absolutely terrible people going at each other's yikes. Um, the next one is there's no legitimate reason to leave. Former followers mm-hmm. are always wrong for leaving negative or even evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I don't know if this comes up later, but uh, another like like stronger, like even bigger warning sign of this is if family members or friends of the person who left are ostracized because their family fem- member or friend left like that is bad news bears. Mm hmm yeah yeah former members often relate the same stories of abuse and reflect similar pattern of grievances if you are hearing the the same story over and over again from different people of some sort of abuse it's it's probably right (laughs) probably happened (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh there are books records news articles or television programs that document the abuses of the group leader Mm mm-hmm Especially if there are things that the group is trying to hide. If like a news organization that you know to be a reputable news organization, suddenly they're not reputable anymore because they right. wrote something bad about your group. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Followers feel they can never be good enough. Uh, but how can you ever be as good as the chosen one? Right. <laughs> Number nine is the group leader is always right. And I think that that kind of goes into the authoritarianism one. It's basically the same. Mm -hmm. 
one. And then the final one in this list is the group or leader is the exclusive means of knowing truth or receiving validation. There's no other process of discovery or anything that is like acceptable or credible. So. Yeah, I have a big problem when there is one, any sort of spirituality or faith or belief structure that one person with with a higher degree of privilege usually like a straight white man or like a just like a powerful man mm-hmm. comes up with on his own the thing that makes mythologies good is the collaborative storytelling like if you just take the example of like greek or norse mythology like i'm more familiar with like western canon mythology but I shouldn't say canon because it's all free form, yeah. but like that is something that people collab it's collaborative storytelling. Um, whereas, and even if you look at like more mainstream religions, like the Judeo Christian ones, like there's an element of collaborative stuff going on. There is like a council of people that were making this stuff up. There's some like semblance of accountability. It's not L. Ron Hubbard, Alistair Crowley, Joseph Smith, making up a story about how they are the the chosen one with access to this information. That's another big red flag that you see come up so many times. There's some special cosmic text that mm-hmm. only the spiritual, the guru can read, whether it be like the golden plates or the Akashic records. It's, it's always that thing. Yeah. Or the, like Xenu and the Thetans. Mm-hmm. It's always the, like, I have access to this special space information yeah so some things that i've seen come up constantly in ultra high demand groups i've based i listen to a lot of conspirituality podcasts and that's what i'm basing this off of they Mm -hmm. talk a lot about um new age groups that kind of go off the rails uh something that comes up a lot which are more more kind of red flags is the severing of your pre-existing relationships Mm-hmm. Be they like friends or family, lots of high demand groups want you to either like bring those people in or cut off your ties with them. And that falls into like something you said about cutting off ties with the outside world, the tribalism bass versus them mentality of like, we're the only ones that can, you know, survive this impending doomsday or whatnot. A lot of them take blackmail or collateral there's huge parallels between the Nexium cult, which they've been doing tons and tons of stuff on because it's it's something that's currently being litigated, I think, or has recently got done being litigated. And Scientology, like in the Sea Org, L. Ron Hubbard was keeping people's um, passports so they couldn't leave. They're in like the Nexium cult. They they had all the collateral stuff with blackmail, basically anything they could get on these people, and that's something that the um, the like secretive facets of Scientology were doing. They were collecting blackmail on their enemies and um, people that were like, they thought might leave. Mm-hmm. Another one is the organization is putting a lot of control over regulating what you can and can't eat or how you eat basically over food mm-hmm. and sex. Yeah. But with the food stuff, a lot of times it's the like ascetic thing or like ultra veganism, which those things aren't bad on their own, but uh, necessarily those things absolutely can be practiced healthily. But when the organization is like, you can't eat this, it's keeping you like starving. And as somebody who's like struggled with a bit of anorexia, like you you don't think you're not thinking the straightest when you're hungry mm-hmm. or like they're just p- pumping people, like denying them like 
complex, healthy meals and they're just like running on sugar. You're not thinking you're not going to make it. You're not going to critically think about things if you're, if you're not eating properly. Mm -hmm. And then there's like the control over sex and that can really go both ways. That can really run the gamut. Like a lot of like new agey uh, cult type groups can be like marriage is BS. You should be having as much sex as you want with anybody you want which theoretically is fine if that's what everybody's down for. But if somebody's telling you that's what you have to do, that's antithetical to yeah. the point of you getting to choose. Like, hey, yes, we should all be able to choose, but some people are going to choose cishet monogamy and that's good too. Mm-hmm. That's fine. As long as people are walking into this with their eyes open, it's fine. And then yeah. of course there's like ultra conservative ones, which are like, I will choose, like, I will choose who you're going to marry. Like, and even like, you can go the full David Koresh and be like, I've dissolved all your marriages. All your wives are belong to me now. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, a big one with this too is if people in the upper echelons of the group or the leader have different rules than everyone else. This is exactly. a big warning sign. The leader exactly. has different sex and food rules than everyone else. Big red flags. <laughs> big red flags. Yeah. It's that lack of accountability. And the last like kind of like thing that comes up a lot that wasn't on your list too was unpaid labor. Like Mm, a lot of times, Mm -hmm. yeah, a lot of times it it could even be like a yoga studio, even like they expect you to volunteer. Yeah. It's expected of you. There's totally like non-culty churches that like expect you to volunteer. So we're talking about all of these like collectively as warning signs, right? Yes. Each of these things if it's not hypocritical, um, like each one of these things can be practiced healthily, but just when they come together, when you have multiple of these things, it's a watch out situation. So many, so many groups expect unpaid labor, um, or they don't pay you well, or like they pay you in room and board. That's like the sea org, um, like a lot of conservative Judeo-Christian religions have like things they own, like construction companies or restaurants that they use a lot of unpaid labor in. Yeah, it's a lot of things. Yeah, it's also like, what is this unpaid labor or like, quote unquote, volunteer work going towards? Are you like working in your community to improve your community and helping like directly helping families or are you like cleaning the leaders like houses (laughs) so this is a bunch of different levels of this exactly and something Uh, is i learned more about like the scientology thing that kind of piqued my interest was like there's the whole process of auditing which is basically playing Freud from how I understand it. You have some fancy little tools, a little needle jumps around and you basically play Freud with each other. And like, there's a lot to be said for peer group therapy, like what, like group therapy or something or like peer to peer helping. But I think there's a difference between just, just, unqualified people doing it i guess in a lot of support groups you have a therapist that's leading it yes but also like in a lot of groups or therapy situations it's not you are 
this this session has determined that you are bad you need to take x and x classes in order to not be bad anymore right Mm -hmm. and that like the x and x classes cost you this much money and like you will never be good again unless you do these things right that's a big one especially too as it doesn't even have to be a cold thing but the big thing that sticks with me from the conspirituality podcast is see what they're saying and see what they're selling Mm mm-hmm and like in this case, in the case of Scientology, like, oh, you have these evil alien souls in you. You need our classes that cost thousands of dollars. And even with the anti-vax people, like, is there, I think there's absolutely room to be questioning big pharma on lots of things. But like, if you're saying vaccines are evil, vaccines are going to give your child autism and they're selling supplements that are going to save you from measles and au- autism, which is just ridiculous, like, if somebody's saying something from their heart, that's one thing. But if somebody's saying something to sell you something, that's bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, another one that wasn't in my <sighs> initial list is a sense of elitism in the group. Like mm-hmm. if there are levels to like how pure or how spiritual you can be, uh, especially if mm-hmm. you can like, by those levels as opposed to like you know going to divinity school and learning more than everyone else you know like they're mm-hmm. they're buying your indulgences yeah yeah like if you like studied a bunch and you are whatever like level of pastor because you studied a bunch that's one thing but like being an elite just member or like patron of the group is a big red flag also if there is a secretive group within the group it's no good you don't want secretive groups within the group (laughs) (laughs) no there was a little no to go back to like the idea of like auditing and unqualified people pretending to be therapists that really Mm -hmm. kind of stuck in my craw because i'm like what is the practice of tarot if not that Mm mm-hmm So that one is like, oh, that's something to look out for in my own life because tarot is just playing therapist, not necessarily therapist, but like, no, I think tarot, like it obviously depends on how I'm sure that there are people who practice tarot, like how auditing is practiced, but Mm -hmm. it's like more about self-discovery and reflection and less about like diagnosis and yeah mm-hmm. but i diagnose you with bad aliens yes but like obviously if you are you i mean i'm sure that there are predatory tarot readers who are like mm-hmm. oh you have to like this your is chakras are blocked you need yeah. to enroll in this class exactly yeah mm-hmm. yeah so i just thought that that was a really good one for like me to look out for personally is to like stay in my lane mm-hmm uh, as far as that goes. Mm-hmm. Another thing that I kind of wanted to talk about is why people stay in, because I don't think we should blame people for being sucked into high demand groups. We don't blame uh, like domestic abuse victims for staying in. And these people like in the worst cases are being straight up abused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, when the group has all of the power and controls all of your close closest family and friends. Uh, this is why the the 
total ostracization if you leave the group is like a really big red flag uh, because that's how they get you to stay in. You're never going to be able to see your friends and family again because they won't talk to you if you are excommunicated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting seeing what other groups have, like what different groups have used. Like, obviously there's the extreme examples of blackmail, like in the Sea Org and like in Nexium. But like a lot of it is, can be like either emotional or like actual financial sunk costs as well. Mm-hmm. Like what you're talking about too, is like the foundation, like the emotional sunk costs is like, oh, that's all your friends. That's all your relatives. That's all your business. Like all the people you do business with. It's mm-hmm. another thing, like the keeping the money all together. Yeah. And like a lot of times too, because like the structure, financial structure of Scientology and Nexium was pretty similar. Like, but with Scientology, it's sci-fi flavored and with Nexium it's self-help flavored. It's like, there's this course and this course and this course, they're more expensive. They add more courses as you get to the top. Like if you've sunk thousands and thousands of dollars, like a meaningful chunk of your money into these courses that are supposed to help you better yourself, like it, I can imagine you'd want to finish it out. You'd want to see see it through. And that would be a really challenging thing to step away from, to walk away from. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So many things to watch out for in, in organizations in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like we said at the beginning, it's just good to, you know, be aware, have your skepticism up. I think it's mm-hmm. generally safer to be a skeptic. <laughs> question authority. Qu- question authority. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Question authority. Make sure you're putting your effort into something that aligns with how you want to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Another reason why people might not want to leave is that uh, like fear of the outside world and like like mm-hmm. everything outside of the group like the world is ending or everyone outside of the group is terrible so if you were raised in a high demand or cult group you might have like instilled a really strong fear of the outside mm-hmm. uh, outside the group situation so that can make it really hard to leave as well mm-hmm. that's why i think it's so cool cool that like i forget which the amish have the rumspringa mm-hmm yeah, I think that's what makes it interesting. I don't is I don't know anything about their their culture, whether it's a mandatory thing, but I know it's certainly a common option for young people to leave the, you know, orthodox religious community and experience the outside world and make the choice about whether they want to go back. I think that's a mm-hmm. I mean, say what you will, every group's got problems, but I think that's um at least just a positive concept. Yeah, I don't yeah, I'm, I'm not very familiar with that, but I know that that is a tradition that happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that concept is a good idea if you're involved in any, if you've been raised in any like high demand group or like like a particular religious strain is like, oh, is it allowed for you to go and see, at least see what the world's like before you decide to double down? Yeah, yeah. I think that also like, some some rituals happening at older ages for kids are good. Mm-hmm. Bat mitzvah, bat mitzvah is nice that that 
happens when you are you have more of a formed brain (laughs) and i I was raised catholic so there's a lot of uh rituals and indoctrination that happen when you are young in catholicism but confirmation does happen when you are like an older teen so that stuff like that is good that there is some Mm -hmm. some active choice making when you are old enough to make a choice i'd say that's like a you know, a green or a yellow flag in some religion. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was a super interesting discussion. Yeah. So be skeptical. Question Call your authority. dad. You're in a cult. <laughs> yeah. You can always get out. Sweet. That was, I think that was a good way to wrap up our, our discussion of uh, charismatic men that lived life the way they saw fit. <laughs> Yeah, who knows what we're going to talk about next. I know. It's been quite the deep dive for us. I know. Had scheduled topics for so long. (laughs) We'll have to do something light and fun next week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sweet. So for our shameless self-promotion, before we roll on out the door, I will be having a huge update of Steven Universe-themed yarn. I will be having 100 skeins of self-striping, which is the most I think I've ever had in one update. There'll be self-striping and regular colors. It will be happening on April 30th at 9 a.m. Pacific. That's a Sunday. Get to Steven Universe yarn. Yeah. And I will have a Zodiac Pins update sometime in May. I haven't scheduled it yet, but that is when it will happen. And I will also be having a virtual show on April 28th through the 30th. And I will be doing an Instagram live thing at 12 p.m. on April 28th. So if you want to join me for that, that can be fun times. And I will be there will be a B-grade super sale happening for that show. So things to look out for and also a potential new kickstarter yes yes on the horizon on the horizon Mm -hmm. well if you are looking for any more information about my yarns or emily's merch or patterns or anything about the fiber coven in general please head on over to fibercoven.com and it will link you to all of that stuff uh, including the whole other podcast we do for our patreon It is where we talk about nerdy stuff and business things. So if that's something you're interested in, fibercoven.com will send you to all of those places around the internet. So until next week, Kevin, keep making yarn magic. Bye. Bye.